0: Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC, Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact. Hello and welcome to the ESG Players
1: Podcast with your host, Jonathan Kavaznik. One of the leading ESG advisors in the country.
0: Well, good morning and welcome to our webinar this morning. Uh, I'm Jonathan Kvaznik, the financial advisor here at Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. And we're delighted that you could join us this morning. We have an awesome program, a very special guest today on the mediation uh, process. And as you notice from the title, there's a lot of conflict uh, that can potentially happen in people's businesses between business owners. And a lot of times as the financial advisor and as the financial institution the bank, sometimes we find ourselves involved in those, trying to figure out what the best direction is for our clientele and how they can resolve those prior to doing some of their business needs. And so that's what we're gonna hopefully be able to get a little more detail on what's the best way for our business owners to address those things. Just like recently, we had a client where there were two sisters who owned some property and one wanted to expand and buy more property and the other one really wanted to stay smaller and not get too large. And so they needed to resolve that. And potentially they were unable to do it on their own. And we thought it might be a good idea to bring in some outside help. And then mediator is really exactly what they could utilize so that they have an objective overview of who might have the right uh, mix and who might have the best ideas and really how to resolve their conflict so they can move on and be business partners down the road. So I'm going to introduce Dan Simon, who's uh, a great local uh, mediator. He's been in the cities his whole life. We're really excited to have him. Uh, He's going to do a formal presentation. Uh, However, we really want you to get answers to questions you might have rather than just listen to a presentation on a one way. So, you'll notice there's a question box down to the right on your screen. Feel free at any time throughout the presentation to go ahead and ask a question, and then Dan can address that while he's doing his presentation. Um, If you have additional questions that you weren't able to get in, we can take those at the end as well. And we're just really excited to have everyone here today and to learn a little bit about how we can resolve some of the conflict in a world that maybe has a lot of conflict uh, in it right now okay so dan if you would take us away and uh, i will come back at the end and uh, wrap her up thanks so much john
2: glad to be here thank you everybody else for being here um yes as john mentioned my profession is as a mediator and certainly there are times when people like me can be helpful uh, but i'm going to focus today on on what happens more often which is you're you're in a conflict and you've got to manage it yourself Um, in in some situations you may decide to bring in somebody like me and we can talk about that as well but i i'd love this to be a little opportunity for you to get some clarity yourselves about how you want to handle these challenging situations as they arise so um and as john mentioned uh, questions are welcome throughout. You can type, as, as John also pointed out, there's a questions box uh, that you should be able to find on your screen there. Uh, I think it's gonna be on the right-hand side. And you can type those in there. And our friend Landon, who's also uh, with us, will, will ask those to me um, as they come up. So feel free. I really would find it interesting if you have specific uh, uh, struggles yourself at the moment that you'd be willing to share. Um, That could make this especially interesting. So don't be shy about those. Um, I'm going to show you uh, a better view of all that in a moment here. Um, So, uh, indeed, it is true that I spend a lot of my time helping um, business partnerships that have some sort of conflict going on. And John gave one example of a, a common type of conflict somebody wants to expand the business. Uh, somebody is a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more into risk-taking, and the partner uh, is, is satisfied with how things are or maybe even wants to uh, uh, get even more conservative. And so that's a tough one. Um, one of the messages that I'm going to have today, though, is that the specific subject of the conflict at one level doesn't really matter. Uh, conflict is all the same in a certain way. So, you know, some other specific examples I've worked with uh, another common situation is that business partners just feel uh, that something unfair is happening, either because I'm working a lot harder than my partner or uh, uh, my partner isn't appreciating the other ways I've contributed, such as I had the contacts with the customers and and that's why we're doing well and I don't feel like our compensation is reflecting uh, my contribution. And then there's no end, there are no end of, of just personal uh, bad vibes that people people uh, have with each other. So you may be aware of the, the most popular negotiation book ever. There are two of them. One was called Getting Past No, and one is getting the other is getting to yes, both by Fisher and Uri. And um, for starters today, I'm gonna to share a different way to look at conflict than than that way. Uh Fisher and Uri thought of conflict as a problem-solving problem. That is, there's only so much money to go around, we gotta figure out how to divide it up. And so, if there's conflict, that's the question. How do you divide up the money? Um, That's one way to look at it. There's a different level that I think is more helpful to look at it. Um, And so, part of the reality when you're negotiating with a business partner is yes, you may be able to come up with a plan that you're both satisfied with. Other times it's not that simple. It's that you know you and your partner just do see things differently. And uh, your partner is simply not willing to go along with what you believe is a better course of action. And so often what we face in life is the reality that we aren't gonna get to yes in terms of a deal we're both satisfied with, but we're gonna have to accept that that there's something that our, our business partner or our um, fellow shareholders in a, in a closely held corporation or our other general partners in a, in an LLC, whatever, whatever the format you're, you're doing business with somebody and uh, they're just in a different place and uh, they aren't going to budge. So, so to me, that is almost as important in life as getting to yes, just the, the, the living with the reality that people often stay in different places. So in order to, uh, help you think about this other way of looking at conflict that I think is so helpful this this way that's a little bit different from problem-solving I'm gonna ask you to do something with me here um, and I, maybe even if you're willing if you want to you could you could uh, chat your answer, answers into the questions box and if Landon gets any of those I'd love to hear what people say but but here's the exercise I'd like you to think back to the worst conflict that you yourself have ever been directly involved in I'm going to be quiet for a second so you can really think this is only really interesting if you if you do it with me so I'll be quiet for for 15 seconds here and and think about the worst one maybe it was with business with a business partner maybe it was a spouse or an ex-spouse maybe a neighbor uh maybe a uh who else did it happen with sibling but think of the worst one of your life please I know it's early in the morning for this, but please do. Once you've got one picked out, if you could think back to the worst moment of that conflict. Okay, are you good and bummed out? Are you uh, feeling it? I know it's unpleasant, but I think it's very helpful as we try to get a deeper understanding of how conflict works to to just remember how it affects us. The next question is, what was so bad about that worst moment? Why did it come to mind as so bad? And if you would be willing, I'm not sure if it's going to hit the spot, but if you'd be willing to, to type just the words or phrases into the questions box there, why did you hate it? what was it about that moment that was so unpleasant what was the experience the feeling landon if something comes in i'd love to hear it but i'll assume i'll assume not otherwise um the truth is the answers are pretty consistent about what people say about what was so bad about that worst moments and we do
3: have one that came in
2: oh great what you get
3: uh, the person said, I was not going to get my way.
2: <laughs> well said. Okay. Not going to get my way. Frustrating, right? I mean, you 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 knew what you wanted, and it wasn't going to happen. Uh, living with no is what you somehow had to do there. Um, and that that sense, that's part of what's universal about what people hate about conflict, the fact that you can't get what you want, and you don't know how to get it you're in that sense stuck you are powerless to get this thing that you clearly want so here on the left hand side are are the things that i would say are consistent with what what that participant shared not getting your way you're powerless to get your way things are out of control you can't you can't control this other person you can't control the situation in the way you would like um you feel stuck there, you feel hopeless about it. Uh, it's just the reality that in that moment, there seems to be nothing you can do to improve the situation. You know, in the worst moments, you feel like if I say something <laughs> if I say something uh, assertive, the person will just lash back out at me. If I don't say anything, then I'll stay stuck. No good choices um that that's that's half of it that's so frustrating for people. The other half is on the right-hand side there, and it has to do with the fact that you're dealing with another human being who is behaving in a way that you find unacceptable or unbelievable or surprising. Um, They're behaving in a way that you just don't expect to be treated by people, especially somebody who was your spouse or your friend or your partner or your sibling. You feel betrayed, shocked by their behavior you notice that this other person is a lot of bad things. Stubborn, selfish, irrational are common. Um, There's really no end to the words that you might use to apply to this person at these worst moments. Um, You know, the harshest words we have come up at this moment about this other person. Uh, That is part of what we don't like. So, So there are two parts of it. There's that first part, powerlessness, stuckness, Where we just aren't able to achieve what we want and compared to how things go normally in life, when we have some level of control, some level of competence, in this situation, we don't know what to do. So that's that left-hand side uh, list of words. And at the same time, part of what's so frustrating, unpleasant, unacceptable about it is the behavior of this other person. We don't get it. We don't know how anybody can be like that. The best we can do when we think about that other person is come up with some harsh words. They're a blank. They're a blank. They're a. There's something else. There are. Uh, there's something wrong with them. That's. There's the worst moment. <laughs> so you'll notice that this list doesn't tend to include details about. Well, I wasn't getting enough money, or um, I didn't. I didn't get to expand my business. Of course, that's part of the story and not getting your way was there was a specific thing that you weren't getting your way about. So that's part of the story. But there is this more universal kind of set of feelings, experiences that happen regardless of the context. So incidentally, you know, I help business partners who are in conflict with each other. I also help people get divorced in a collaborative way. I also help um, uh, landlord-tenant disputes I'm working with a nonprofit board right now that has conflict among them. Um, I work on any kind of lawsuit. Not saying that to brag, although you should know that I'm available, but uh, (laughs) I'm saying that it doesn't matter what the subject is. This experience, these experiences that you see right in front of you are universal. It doesn't matter if it's a huge corporation versus another huge corporation. There are some human beings who are having this experience there. It doesn't matter if it's a plaintiff. I, I do some personal injury work. Somebody who slipped and fell and, and damaged their ankle feels powerless when dealing with the insurance company. Uh, and they can't believe how cold the insurance company is. The insurance company feels like uh, they're being extorted by this plaintiff's lawyer um, and they have to respond to this that they might think is bogus and is just just an extortion situation. They're stuck. they have to deal with it they've been sued. They feel, you know, this isn't a person they knew very well, but still, they can't believe the the kind of, you know, lack of ethics on part of the plaintiff's lawyer or the victim victiminess of the plaintiff. These aspects are universal. Um, I kind of, uh, I'll, <laughs> this is what I've been elaborating on. I'm a little behind on my slides here. So there's that that weakness. Side of it, that sense that we ourselves are not in a position to take charge, have control, get our way, get what we want. We're stuck. The bottom one there is another one that's very common. It's that normally we feel like competent people. Thank goodness, most of the time we feel basically like we have some ability to manage life. Uh, here we're feeling like overwhelmed by it. Like we don't know what to do about it. It's bothering us. Um, What's more, we normally walk around feeling like decent people, all of us. We feel like we're pretty kind, thoughtful, generous. Uh, That's certainly what we strive to be. Now we're experiencing this conflict where probably this other person is seeing us as irrational, selfish, uh, a lot of bad words. That's confusing because we don't see ourselves that way. They think there's something wrong with us. Wow, is there something wrong with me? Am I being a jerk? This is confusing. So that's where we see it, say at the top there, a destabilized sense of self. Uh, I thought I was a good guy. They don't think I'm a good guy. This is confusing. Am I a good guy? I don't wanna be a good guy right now to that guy. How can I in this situation? Destabilized sense of self. Who am I? My my identity is questioned in these worst moments. Um, At the same time, that other half of it that I mentioned has to do with how we are perceiving and interacting with the other person uh, if it's somebody that you've been connected to, like a long-term business partner, you thought you could trust this guy or this woman, uh, apparently you can't, you've discovered. Um, boy, I thought, I used to think this was a decent person. Boy, they don't seem decent right now. They're horrible, actually. Boy, but they're, her her husband still likes her. He thinks she's okay. Is she okay? I don't think so. I'm confused about who she is. Destabilized sense of other. So... It affects both our identity and our sense of who we're dealing with. So it's a big deal. I mean, this is another way of simplifying all of this that I'm saying is conflict is a big deal and it affects us personally. It affects how we relate. It it is affecting us where we relate to other people. It often goes beyond, again, just what that subject matter is, what the problem solving question is. I do a little illustration when I'm teaching one of my mediation courses, where I where, where I grab somebody's beverage in uh, among my participants, and I and I start drinking it. They're shocked, and they say, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I say, "What What, what do you mean? What am I doing? What are you doing? I'm thirsty." And we have a little escalated conflict. I tear I in on it, <laughs> um, but then we talk about how, from a problem-solving standpoint, if you tried to get in there and help us, you might say, "Okay." Uh, Dan, you're thirsty. Participant, you're thirsty. Can we get you some more water? Dan, can we maybe get you some coffee? Will that help? Or do you want to share this drink? Or, and that's beside the point. The interesting part is the interaction between me and the person. We got bad vibes going. We got uh, a sense that we've been victimized and a sense um, you know, that the other person is hard to deal with. It's about the interaction. That's the interesting part to me, this interactional part. And that's the part that if you can get to a better place with it, the problem can be solved much more, much more simply. So just to further elaborate on this kind of worst case scenario, that sense of weakness that I have, that I, that's another word we use to describe that I don't know what to do, I'm stuck, I'm not getting my way, what am I supposed to do, I'm powerless. And we also call the fact that I'm not able to relate to the other person It's a little hard for us to cop to this, but it's totally understandable that when we're in conflict, we are also self-absorbed. I don't get it. I can't understand them. Normally, I'm an empathic, kind, understanding, non-judgmental person, actually. All I know now is that they're a big jerk, and I don't get it. I don't get why they're acting that way. They must be nuts. They must be incredibly selfish. Maybe they are a sociopath. I don't get it, and I hate that. This creates a vicious circle for me. I'm I'm sitting there noticing that I'm not in control and that the other person's difficult. As I'm sitting there thinking of them as a problem, um, that makes me feel even weaker. When I'm feeling even weaker, I'm feeling even more like they're a problem. I get in this vicious circle all by myself. You add to the fact that they're interacting with me and noticing that I think they're a jerk, that tends to make them defensive and feel threatened and stuck and so they too start to not be able to relate to me and we get in this vicious cycle um you know to me this is kind of what happens in the worst case scenarios uh when wars happen i mean these are generalizations but but when things escalate to violence uh it generally includes people feeling like hey they started it we're the victims and yes when we shoot some missiles over there, we're gonna kill, kill some children. And we love children normally, but we don't know what to do. We can't think about that right now. We're protecting ourselves. The worst, most destructive things that people do, you know, in the biggest scale happen with wars. Uh, they happen with our loved ones occasionally on a smaller scale. The situation that I see uh, that people sometimes seek my help with are when they are litigating, paying lawyers incredible amounts. Um, paying lawyers more than uh, they would have to pay the other side to settle it. And they feel that look, that's the right thing to do. They'd rather pay their lawyers than pay the other person a dime because they felt disrespected by that person. I'm calling that a bad choice just in the sense that it ends up costing more than than it would otherwise. But it doesn't feel like a bad choice when you're doing it. You feel like I'm standing up for what's right. I'm not going to be victimized. I'm not going to let other people be victimized. I'm happy to pay my lawyers a bunch of money. To stand up and fight at another level from outside that looks like a bad choice if it really is about the money uh, they aren't making a good choice about the money you know i, I unfortunately see people litigate over divorces and i've seen people spend a million dollars each uh and neither <laughs> when they've spent that much money on the fight i promise pretty much neither of them is going to be happy with the outcome there's just no way that the the outcome is worth that fight and yet this is what happens when people are in this this destructive cycle uh, at a kind of a milder level when you're trying to negotiate with a, with a business partner or with another business. If you are in this mode where you are uh, feeling distrustful of them and like you're backed into a corner it's hard to engage in effective problem solving. It's hard to get to that win-win solution because you're too busy being suspicious and defensive and you're not even communicating in a way that leads to a good solution. So we've been focusing on um, the the destructive cycle. I just want to quickly uh, acknowledge that there are other ways to look at conflict that are also legit. I prefer to look at this theory uh, that I'm describing to you, which is sometimes called the transformative theory of conflict. The one that is most common when it comes to negotiations, as I've mentioned is this this third one on your list in front of you, needs an interest theory. The idea that conflict arises from people having different needs, wanting different things, uh, different preferences, and the reality that everybody's preferences can't be totally met. And so you got to do some negotiating and sorting that out. There's truth in all these other theories theories um, in my work and in my belief about life, again, I, these are not the most helpful ways to look at it, I don't think. I think the most helpful way to look at it is this uh, this theory that involves the interaction with the other person that's characterized by these feelings of being stuck and uh, self-absorbed. You don't get what the other side is doing. Another way that i like to say this is that it isn't about what it's about. So sure you and your business partner are deciding how fairly to share up the to to share the the profits it's about that a little bit i mean that's part of the story but if it's challenging to do that if you have a problem around doing that then the problem has more to do with how you're relating to each other um and you could come up with an, an arrangement in fact you know some of the some of the partnerships i've worked with already had an arrangement they had a 50 50 sharing of the profits. One person felt like that was no longer fair, and uh, sometimes both felt like that was no longer fair. And so, yeah, how you're going to divide up the money is the part of the story. But the thing that the only part that I could help with, really, because I don't know what the right answer is, um, the only part that I could help with is helping them figure out how to interact with each other in a different way. Um, Oops. Oh, here we go. There is what I'm looking for. Um, so here's, what, what, what you're seeing on front of your, on your screen right now is, is still what I've been describing already, this vicious circle that happens where you're feeling stuck, powerless, uh, overwhelmed or weak, and less able to understand this other human being. You're defensive, you're suspicious. And we talked about how that creates a vicious circle. Here's the good news it is possible to emerge from that sense of being stuck. Um, it's kind of a fancy bit of lingo, but if you can regain your sense of control, regain your awareness of what you do have control over and what you don't, more awareness of your resources, more awareness of you know some clarity about what matters to you, uh, greater sense of calm, we call that empowerment. Also, when you do feel calmer and less like you're being victimized, it naturally brings with it this uh, ability to relate to, understand, accept, uh, empathize with the other person. So I haven't described how this happens yet, but obviously it can happen. And perhaps in that conflict that you thought about when I first asked you to think about the worst conflict you've been involved in, maybe you're aware that that did somehow improve, that somehow you got to a better place. Sometimes it's just time passed, Sometimes it's that you had a good conversation. Sometimes maybe you had a mediator. That's occasionally it. Other times uh, you just, um, you know, did some self-reflection, praying, meditating, whatever you do, and you realize, okay, okay, this isn't the end of the world. I can figure this out. I can make a suggestion. I can talk to the person. Um, you did so in a way that was less accusatory and suspicious and hostile. That softened them up. And you got into this virtuous circle where you felt stronger, calmer, more confident. You interacted with them in a way that was less threatening to them. Uh, uh, you you were able to pay attention to them and say, "Okay, I'm sorry. What what were you saying?" You're able to finally kind of focus in on what they're saying, be a little bit more open to it. That calms them down and causes them to be more open to you. And there's the beautiful thing that humans can do and actually prefer to do, and they're delighted when they can do it. They can feel uh, more in control and also more able to empathize with each other. Once you're over on the right side of this chart, uh, the problem solving becomes much easier. So the question becomes, let's say you're in one of these conflicts. What is the path toward getting to that right-hand side of the picture? i'm having some little glitch that's making my oh there's my next slide so that becomes the question how do you get to that right side of the chart there how do you get stronger and more responsive um well (laughs) here's my here's my four step plan here's steps one and two the first and often most difficult aspect of this is to notice there's a conflict um you know it it can kind of sneak up on you you can basically feel some resentment that builds up mildly over the years. And you can, you know, people often go for a long time without realizing or, or acknowledging to themselves that there's a problem. Um, a couple tips, a couple uh, hints that help you notice if there's a conflict. Number one, <laughs> if you're freaking out, if it's obvious that um, that this person is behaving outrageously to you, if it's obvious that you're feeling stuck and and you're in distress about it. Well, then you've got a conflict. Another way to this is usually how I discover when I'm in conflict. If I notice that somebody I'm dealing with is a jerk, or stupid, or selfish, or crazy. Normally, thank goodness, when I walk around and interact with people, I like people. <laughs> I think they're okay. Uh, I I don't have harsh harsh opinions of them. If I notice that I think someone is a jerk. That's my first clue that I am in conflict. I, I wouldn't be. It doesn't feel good to be uh, having negative thoughts about people generally. If I am, I know that I know that that's me in conflict. Um, so if I can catch myself right then, noticing that somebody's a jerk, and and turn the focus to okay. That's actually a human being over there. I, at some level, I'm aware of that, and and I try not to be judgmental of my fellow human beings. So, if I think they're a jerk, okay, I'm I'm not at, I'm I'm in that I'm somewhere in that weakness and self-absorption cycle. So, what's the next step? You do whatever it takes to reflect on, uh, think about, pray about for some people. Uh, Talk to loved ones who who you do feel good talking to. Uh, Talk to a conflict coach, which I sometimes serve as. Get clearer about what matters to you about this whole situation. Uh, Do I care about this relationship? Um, I claim that we all care a little bit about everybody we interact with, a little bit. We'd rather be at a good place with even strangers. but. If there is something that's more important than that that I need to stand up for, then you know I have to I have to think about that. I have to figure out what my priorities are about things. And then finally, what condition are you in? It's just a reminder to think about: okay, am I am I in that stuck and self-absorbed frame of mind, or have I managed to figure out how to shift so I'm calmer, more aware of what my options are, more aware of my resources, and also more able to have some space to listen to and understand the other person. Um, Next step, maybe once you get to that calmer space where you, you are more capable of listening to them and considering the possibility that they have some legitimate explanation for their behavior, just a little openness to that, maybe you have a conversation with them. Not always. I mean, you may in step uh, two have decided, you know what, this is not worth worrying about. I'm just gonna let go of this. I'm gonna, now that I'm calmer and more open to the possibility that they're not evil, maybe I'll just let it go. And that may be a legit choice to spending, depending on the situation. You know, probably not if this is a business partner of yours and you have important business decisions to make, probably then you have to have the conversation, but other times it might make sense to just kind of rise above it and let it go. Um, you know, Minnesotans notoriously have a, a tendency to do that too often, to let it, to, to pretend to let it go when they can't really. You know, we have this uh, culture of conflict avoidance, Minnesota nice, passive aggressiveness. And so, quite often, when I help people have the conversation, it's just that they haven't had the conversation yet. And, you know, my contribution really is that I set up a meeting and they both sit down and talk to each other. And <laughs> that's the thing that was needed and that should have happened years ago. Um, so keep in mind, you might be being a little bit Minnesotan, and maybe there is a conversation that you ought to figure out how to have. Once you have the conversation under point three, point three, there, you know this. This is old. You've heard this everywhere. You heard this. You know Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Uh, anybody that talks about conflict talks about things like seek first to be to understand and then to be understood. If you get to that calm place, it is true that if you can do it, hearing them out fully is incredibly helpful. Um, it's not so easy to do. And that's why step number two, where you um, got clear about what mattered, checked in on your own condition, that's why that's essential. Because hearing them out is out of the question when you when you can't stand to listen to them. So So again, first get to that good place yourself. Once you're in that good place, genuinely, Find out what's up with them and and you know explain to them, listen, I, I don't get what happened there. I would like to understand. Talk to me and let them talk to you and assume that what they're saying is true for them. When they say things that don't seem to add up, ask them gently, okay, wait a minute, you're saying that the sky is blue, but you're also saying that the sky is green. I don't, help me understand what's going on there. You know, point out the things that you don't understand in a gentle way, and and hear them out. Much easier said than done, and that's why again, that step two comes first. Get get to a good place, hear them out. But then, it's most helpful if you can keep it real with them. That is, genuinely share with them your take. Uh, you know, when I discovered that that money was missing from the bank account, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I, I thought we had an understanding that we would uh, communicate with each other about that. And there's 20 grand missing. Uh, I I gotta tell you, it rattled me. Uh, I, I got suspicious even for a minute of what your plans were there. So, dude, we got to talk about this. Keep it real. Um, let them know your reaction. Again, helps very much if you're in this calmer, uh, more responsive state. Otherwise, you aren't going to be able to do this. You're just going to yell at them and, and accuse them of things. Uh, to the extent you really believe that they did something totally unacceptable. You, you've you got to say it, but but it's ideal if you can say it in a calm, accepting way. I mean, let's say they stole money from you. It is possible to communicate about that in a calm way. So here's what happened. That money was missing. You didn't tell me about it. Now I know that you took the money. Um, I, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not acceptable. I, I think probably we have to and this partnership and, and probably you have to pay me back, but is there something I'm not understanding? you know keep it real but but do it in that calm, clear way um, that's not full of extra harshness, and that's that's where the good stuff happens in the conversation. if that seems too challenging, and here's where I am open to uh you know getting a call from you all if if the situation you're in um feels like a conversation is necessary. But you can't imagine what I just said in step three. You can't imagine really hearing them out because they're so full of it. You can't, you know, they're gonna lie. Uh, you can't stand to hear their voice. Um, yeah, you'd like to keep it real with them, but keeping it real with them is gonna be brutal. That's where you might decide, okay, uh, I could use some help having that conversation. Mostly, most often, when people are in this destructive cycle, or quite often, they go straight to talking to a lawyer who will. God bless my fellow lawyers. I'm licensed as one myself, but the tools that traditional lawyers have tend to escalate the conflict. They tend to um, cause the other person to be more defensive than ever, uh, cause them to react in a way that makes you more outraged than you were before. And in some cases, it's, it's what you need to do. In many cases, it does more harm than good. So having the direct conversation Uh, with them, and perhaps with the help of a pro, is the thing to do if it gets that extreme. Um, There's my website if you want to hear more about what I do. Um, Would love to hear any questions that have arisen in your minds about your own situations, ideally, or or anything else. Uh, Landon, any luck yet? Any questions?
3: Oh, we do have one. Let's hear it my partner stopped showing up to work because of our arguing
2: mm. <laughs> yeah uh just just to that person tough tough situation did you want to articulate a question more about that or i mean I, I guess the question is what to do about that right um you know if if you can add any more detail question that that would be great but uh uh, you know, and I kind of need to know a little bit more about your take on it. Is, is it possible to stop the arguing? Is, you know, is that something that you're you're willing to do under these this, these circumstances, or or is that arguing a manifestation of some important stuff that you need to talk about? Um, uh, I, I gather that you find it unacceptable that, that they aren't showing up to work, and so. You know, again it goes back to that that first of all, figure out where you're at. Make sure you're as calm and clear as you can be about it, and probably have the conversation.
3: And I guess you know, they did elaborate the here, Dan. Um, oh, good. They, they, I guess the question is how do I calm them down at least enough to talk to them?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, point number one is there. There's nothing that's foolproof. You can't necessarily calm calm another person down. So, uh, I think it helps, in fact, to let go of of having a certain outcome for them in mind. That is, you need to calm down. That's generally not helpful of calming people down. So, not not that you were doing that, but but having the attitude that they need to behave differently now tends not to help people decide to behave differently. So, again, I, I go back to this thing of first of all. Do everything you can to make sure you're in the best possible place. Make sure you are uh, getting empathy from all your loved ones, doing your meditation, your yoga, your workout, uh, whatever you do. Take some deep breaths and then prepare to hear them out. I mean, clearly, they're not happy about something and get to the place where you genuinely want to understand what's going on, my, my partner, my fellow human being. Talk to me. I want to know what's under what, what the story is and don't argue with them about it you know you got to be in such a good frame of mind that you're ready to really hear what might be hard to hear you know sounds like they have some problems with you too and they might be critical of you so you got to be ready to say okay so you think i suck you know so you think i'm incompetent oh okay so you can't stand the sight of me wow <laughs> you know hear him out and, and just be ready for it to be unpleasant but you're in such a good place that you can hear it all and that's that's going to provide a lot of information about what's next is you know if it's extreme on one end you might be needing to contemplate how to how to uh, break up the business at another level you might be just talking about how to uh, kind of repair your relationship so that you get along better um, so that's the first step hear, hearing them out and then it sounds like in this case you're also finding it not okay that if things are this way you you know and it sounds like you have something to say to that person about I, I, you I need you to come to work and, and do your share of the work uh, or you know this this is very unpleasant for me to have this kind of messed up relationship with you we got to get to a better place I want us to be friendly at least um, so it's about hearing them out and getting clear yourself about what you want. Uh, you know it's not I, when I say that it sounds kind of like a cliche and kind of simplistic, but I believe it is it, you know it's about paying attention to them and paying attention to yourself and both both taking good care of them and good care of yourself are essential. so that's that's the pro that's the process and at one level, this is kind of very simple, um but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's it's care of self and care of other. That's all it is. But when the other person is is seems to you to be treating you unfairly, takes a lot of deep breaths and a lot of uh, a lot of lot of self care to be able to treat them compassionately. This is why I have work to do. You know, it's it's just hard for people, and so uh, just just to touch on what I do when I'm mediating, you know, the benefit of having me present as you have that conversation is that there is one guy in the room who doesn't have his own needs other than to support both both people who are in conflict. And so when one person tells me, my partner stopped showing up to work, they're lazy, they, they won't even have the conversation with me, I'm listening. To, okay, I see. So they won't show up at work. They're lazy and they won't have the conversation with you. Uh-huh. Boom. That person's a little bit calmer now. And when the other person says, well, I can't show up at work because you are so annoying and you're doing that thing that I hate. Okay. So that's why it's hard for you to show up to work because she's doing that thing that's annoying. Uh-huh. Boom. They calm down a little bit. Then they then people say the next thing to each other. Well, maybe I could stop doing that annoying thing. You know, it, it the conversation has to happen and I never know where it'll go, but. With a little bit of support for it people are more able to hang in there and and have the conversation and so again first first question is can can you have this conversation on your own which you might be able to and people often do and mediators aren't necessary all the time if that conversation seems like it's not going to go well that's the next step call a mediator such as myself how are we doing landon anybody else have any comments we do have
3: a little bit of elaboration on that situation too Um, If both parties agree to mediation both parties want a solution at what point does a mediator decide there is no solution and gets a lawyer involved
2: (laughs) That decision belongs to the parties Um, My attitude is that if people are willing to participate in the conversation There's hope Um, At some point you know either Either a solution is reached, or somebody says, "Yeah, nope, I'm not willing to talk about this anymore, and off they go um so thankfully, from my standpoint, I don't have to decide um the clients decide themselves <laughs> uh, if two people are willing, there is hope, you know that's that's just all there is to it, as far as I'm concerned. If they are willing to sit down, then and, and of course, I never know how much of the solution is going to be them accommodating each other. I never know how much getting to yes is going to be possible, and how much living with no is going to be necessary. Um, but that's where a, you know a good conversation, as far as I know, is the best way to figure that out. Uh, and so, there actually would—it's very rare that I, there come a point where I would recommend to start litigation. I mean, that's uh, not that people shouldn't decide to do that sometimes, but I would never be the one to say, no, don't talk to each other anymore. Go, go sue them. Uh, it's not my place to make that decision for anybody. Um, I wouldn't want to be the one that persuaded somebody to go litigate when they, they had a little glimmer of hope that there was something more to say. If, they, if they're willing to do that, I'm, then you should do it. If you've given up on that completely and you can't stand it anymore, and you think the lawyer can help get you to a better place, then that's then then you do that. But I never make that call. Anybody else, Landon?
3: I do have one. I'm I'm reading it right now. Okay. <laughs> if they are willing. They are willing to compromise, meaning no one gets everything they want. Do you first ask the parties are they willing to compromise before mediation occurs?
2: Um, I, I I don't happen to ask that question, uh, beforehand. Um, uh, you know, I I feel like people don't know. I mean, the problem when people call me, they're in that vicious circle where they tend to say things like, that person is hopeless. And uh, I'm not I'm not giving an inch. They they say those things. Uh, and then a, a conversation, that that's when they're in that vicious circle and they aren't, you know, they aren't thinking clearly. They're too busy being weak and self-absorbed. And so I don't hold them to that. I don't assume that they, they give the, the best answers when they first call me. The conversation itself can very much change whether people are willing to compromise. Um, you know one, one illustration of that is that you know people often give money to charity, and they often give gifts to people that they're in good, a good place with. They, they give money away. People do that. It's a very common phenomenon. The idea that people are that attached to every dime—if if there's a just a negotiation going on, let's say, where somebody says you owe me a hundred thousand bucks and the other says no, I don't, I owe you fifty at most—their non-willingness to budge on that isn't, again, it's it's not just about the money. It's because these people are, for all I know, these are generous people who are giving away ten thousand dollar gifts to charities and, and to their children and to their, you know, but but to give to this person would feel like you're selling your soul or you're compromising your integrity or you're not standing up for yourself or you're being abused and you won't stand for it. If we can change the interaction between these two people where they no longer see each other as bullies or dishonest people or liars or whatever, if, if they can get to a place where they're seeing each other a little more compassionately, that $50,000 gap Goes away, and you know, you know. I've often seen the dynamics change in negotiations where somebody says, "No, you can have it." No, no, you take it. You know, they they realize that. Okay, now I realize that you know I was being a little bit harsh, and they weren't quite as bad as I thought. And you know, when you come right down to it, I want to be doing the right thing. And if they if they genuinely feel like I owe them a hundred grand, I I get that. Now it's genuine. It wasn't just an attempt to take advantage of me. How about 80 you know people figure it out so long way of saying nope i don't ask whether they're willing to compromise at the start i assume that anybody might become willing to compromise when they have a good conversation any other questions at this point landon we don't i think
3: we're good thank you
2: okay well let me just uh say that it's been a pleasure to run my mouth at you all and uh Hope it wasn't too tedious and i love to talk about this sort of thing and so if you happen to have any conflicts that you just want to bounce off me um uh my contact information should be pretty easy to find if you google dan simon mediator you'll find me pretty easily um so happy to chat about it no no obligation for a consultation ever i love talking about this stuff I you know this is really more of a calling for me i, I try to make a little bit of a living and charge a fee when i show up, but um, it's easy to get a lot of free chat out of me before you have to do that. So happy to talk to you. <laughs> John, thanks for having me, brother.
0: Yeah. Thank you, uh, Dan, for being on with us today. Um, I appreciate your passion and your love for what you're doing. And I think as far as our attendees, um, if you're already a bank Cherokee a client at in Cherokee investments, we'd like to thank you uh, for being our customers and our clients, or if you're just attending uh Wow, I mean, uh, I didn't think I was gonna wake up this morning and learn what I learned and be able to go on with my day this way. But we'd love to bring you into our uh, family at Bank Cherokee and Cherokee Investments. And you can see uh, communications and transparency is what is really important. Uh, That's what I got out of today. And so we really believe in that. And uh, we'd love to have you either talk with us about financial services needs or your banking needs in the future. But again, I'd like to thank Dan, that was awesome. Uh, We'll have this on our website at bankcherokee.com. Uh, You'll be able to listen to it, replay it, and then you can contact either your banker or myself or Dan if you'd like more information on maybe situations where you just need some help in getting through the conflict. So, thank you everyone for attending. This was awesome, and we look forward to uh, next month when we do another webinar. Thank you.
1: If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik at jkavaznik, that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovaznik, CHFC, Registered Representative Advisory Services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc. Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.